City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this special edition of Street Soldiers on the Ferguson Grand Jury Decision, The Facts and the Fiction. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. Post your comments about this case. On my Instagram, at Lisa Evers Live, hashtag Ferguson, hashtag Michael Brown. And we're opening the phone lines right now, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And this is a good point right now in the show to text your family and friends who are out of the tri-state area and tell them to listen to the live stream on our website, hot97.com, or on the iHeartRadio app, on their phone. It's a free download. Welcome to this very special episode of Street Soldiers on the Ferguson Grand Jury Verdict. Right now, by listening, you are part of the history that is being made. Our Hot 97 management is giving us unprecedented access to these microphones on a holiday all-mix weekend so that we can deal with the many issues swirling around the Michael Brown case. Of course, there's a tremendous amount of emotion, but we're also going to look at the facts, what this really means what this says about the state of justice in America, especially for black Americans. There is no question this is one of the most controversial, explosive, and deeply disturbing police community incidents of our time. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that. It's complete with gaping racial wounds, embedded prejudice, and the blind stupidity of the looting and violence. CNN reported that even the church Michael Brown Sr. attended was burned to the ground by looters. This Thanksgiving week has been full of stunning shocks, disappointments, a lot of distrust. In the next hour, the panel team Lisa has put together for you will separate the fact from the fiction and help us understand where the real work and focus should be for us moving forward and also have us you know, get a better understanding of our criminal justice system and also where we need to go as a people, as a nation, as a racially diverse nation, and what justice for all really means. So joining us in studio is former prosecutor, criminal defense attorney, Xavier Donaldson. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being with us. Another former prosecutor and criminal defense attorney, Dan Hockheiser. Dan, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us, Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a former NYPD lieutenant, criminal justice professor, and TV commentator on police community issues. Dr. Porcher, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. We appreciate it. And first, we're going to go out to uh, the state of Missouri right now. We're going to go to Mary Moore. She is a freelance journalist with CNN. She was arrested during some of the protests there. Mary, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And Mary, what was it? what is the mood there like in Missouri right now? Well, you've got, you know, the protesters and the, you know, uh, community. I mean, this is definitely not over. I mean, you've got people re-energized. You know, I went to a protester meeting yesterday. It was really one of the biggest coalition meetings where they've taken a lot of people locally and out of town, and they're all forming as one. So they were having really serious planning stages, you know. Um, they allowed the other media to be in only for a segment of that so they could strategize. I mean, so it's basically stand up and, and let's get it going. You know, this is not going to be tolerated. Um, that's the mood right now. What is the mood towards the looting? Because we saw those images of businesses that that black business owners had built up over the years, burned to the ground, right. the church that Michael Brown Sr. attended, burned to the ground, that pastor putting his own personal money and life savings into this labor of love for the community. What yeah, is the attitude? It's very hard for us to understand in New York and uh, and around the country, quite frankly, why that is a legitimate considered a legitimate form of protest. 
And you know what? I want to make that clear because I'm out there every night, and a lot of the, the I, I say the main protesters, I can point the people out that live here or that come here that are regular. And then I can also, I don't even ask the question, where are you from? You know what I mean? Um, I can look and see who's here on a normal and who's not. And you've got three different factors. You've got your everyday protesters who are totally against the looting and things like that. And they told people in the beginning, we're going to remove you if we find out that you're doing that. And let's, and let's, be, and let's be very clear that Mike, Mike, Michael Brown Jr.'s parents, Michael Brown Sr. and Leslie McSpadden, his mother, right. as they're going through this entire ordeal as parents, they have been urging everybody. They even right. did a PSA, I'm told, to urge people oh, not to huh. resort to violence in Michael's name. Right. These are people that have their own agendas. Like I said, you got three different ones. You got the ones that are passionate, that are out here, that don't want to destroy their own community, because these are the people that have to go use these things. Then you've got the people that are opportunists that don't. These are your problem people that, on a normal day when there's not protests going on, these are the people that are making the news or getting in trouble. You know, those are the ones that don't care about Michael Brown. They're doing this because they want to do something. You know, those are problem people anyway, every day. And then you have the out-of-towners that are, and this is not all out-of-towners, these are some of the people that um, are extremists that don't care about coming into anybody's city and burning it up because they're not invested in it emotionally or economically, you know? So those are the three factors, and you put them all together, and they label everybody as one. Well, it's not one, you know? Um, there's people that we don't want to be around down there. You know, you don't know. I mean, there was gunshots out there the other night, lots of them, you know? And this is not something that we're accustomed to because we have our kids out there, you know, the media, We, I mean, I'm, I have my daughters out there, you know, on a regular basis, and then there's a safe zone that's directly across the street from the police department. So those are the areas where you know no matter what, you're okay. Well, up until recently, that area has been compromised because of that, you know. So it, it's not violent all the time. This is, is, is terrible, you know, to come and look like, you know, look at these West Florissant, it looks like Iraq, you know? No, it's, it's it's unbelievable. Mary, I want to thank you. I want to bring in our other guests and get right to the grand jury decision, but thank you so much for being with us, and we hope to touch base with you again. Anytime. Thanks, guys. I'm going to tune in and listen, too. Listen online, hot97.com, the iHeartRadio, and uh, uh-huh. tune in Tune in apps, free downloads on your on your smartphone. Xavier Donald, thank you very much, Mary. 1-800-223-9797. Instagram on the gram, at Lisa Evers Live. Post your comments. Twitter, Lisa Evers, hashtag Mike Brown, hashtag Ferguson. Xavier Donaldson, criminal defense attorney. Did the, the, the grand jury decision, does this mean that Officer Darren Wilson is innocent? That's what people are saying. No, it does not mean that he's innocent. It just means that the grand jury decided not to return a true bill of indictment against him on any of the felony charges that were asked to be voted uh, regarding his particular conduct. It does not mean that he was innocent. It just means that he wasn't indicted. Is he free and clear of any other criminal charges at this point? Uh, At this point, he's free and clear of any criminal charges regarding state law. I mean, there still is a federal investigation, and I am hoping that... uh, the federal government does bring federal char- uh, federal criminal charges. What do you think of this decision for them not to charge Officer Darren Wilson? I think it was unfortunate. I think that, in uh, my humble opinion, that the uh, the process, and I, I'll keep saying this, I'll keep going back to this, the process that the Missouri, uh, the, the, that the prosecutor used to uh, get an indictment, and I believe he wasn't trying to get an indictment. That's my belief. I don't believe he was seeking an indictment. 
I think that process was a farce. I don't think that there was ever any intention to get an indictment. I think that because of that, uh, there was not an indictment. So uh, from from that point of view, I think that this whole, in my opinion, this whole process was a farce. Was a joke. A big joke. A big joke. All right. Let's see what Dan Hack, uh, Dan Hockheiser has to say about that. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. What do you think about the verdict in the Ferguson case and the Michael Brown case? Do you feel that justice was totally denied the family? Do you trust the system, or do you think it was the right decision given these new facts that emerged from the case? Dan Hockheiser, former former prosecutor, was this a half hearted attempt by the prosecutor? Like basically, we've got to go through the motions here. This The grand jury got it right in this case. The prosecutor did an exhaustive investigation. He presented every eyewitness, every piece of physical evidence, three autopsies, multiple experts, uh, hundreds of photographs, videos, audio tapes. There was nothing left out of the grand jury. These uh, nine white grand jurors and three black grand jurors heard 70 hours of testimony, 60 witnesses over 25 days. None of these protesters who were breaking bottles and storefronts and burning cars know all the facts of this case. The grand jury did. They got it right. And to go back to what X said about this doesn't mean they found him innocent, X is exactly right. For all we know, there could have been eight grand jurors that voted to indict, and four that did not. That's correct. That's correct. And well, we don't we don't know the breakdown of the vote. Okay, but there were also some stunning revelations in terms of what they said was the physical evidence. They said the autopsy, Michael Brown was shot only from the front. They said we heard for the first time, confirmed, because there were rumors about this over the months, that there was his blood was inside the car, his blood was on Officer Darren well, Wilson's Well, gun. Lisa, let, let me go back for a second. Let me go back to what Hawk said. He's right. There was extensive... Uh, evidence placed into the grand jury. There were uh, thousands of pages of, of documents. There were videos, pictures, different witnesses, exculpatory evidence, inconsistent statements. All that went into the grand jury, and that's what makes it a farce. Because in a normal grand jury proceeding, and Hawk knows this because he's presented case to the grand jury, and so have I, a prosecutor is not required to present exculpatory evidence, inconsistent evidence, or any other evidence like that when they're presenting a case to the grand jury. They are going in there to seek an indictment in 99.9% of the time. The very fact that this prosecutor put all that evidence into that grand jury indicates to me and everyone else who's who's viewing it that this was a farce. And In fact, the Supreme Court has even told the United States and all prosecutors that you do not have to present exculpatory evidence. But what does it take to get an indictment or to bring a charge in a grand jury? All it takes is probable cause. And in New York, the... um, the, Meaning that something was done wrong. In New York, There's a a possibility that something was done wrong. More more likely than not. That's fancy lawyers speak for more likely than not. So it's not beyond a reasonable doubt in a grand jury. It's nowhere close to beyond a reasonable doubt. It's simply, if this evidence is true, can we proceed against that person? And that's basically what they're asking. But in this particular case, these two prosecutors put in Everything except for the kitchen sink. And that does not happen. All right, I want to talk about the police storyline of what happened here, according to the grand jury testimony. In 1-800-223-9797, the Ferguson verdict, Ferguson decision, we can't call it a verdict. Please don't call it a verdict. Ferguson decision, thank you, Attorney Donaldson. The What do you think about that? 1-800-223-9797. Dr. Darren Porcher, you were in the NYPD, former NYPD lieutenant. You've been on the streets. This story... 
that Dr. Darren Wilson told the grand jury where he's in the car. He tells them to get out of the street. Then somehow Michael Brown comes over to the car. There's a struggle, he says, for his gun. Michael Brown punches him in the face, but there's couldn't have been too much of a punch from what the picture looks like. Not that that justifies it, but there was some kind of struggle inside the car. Then Michael Brown turns around and runs away. And then tur- and then stops and then faces the officer. Does that does that whole scenario make any kind of sense to you? Well, I can speak for how I would handle the situation. I felt the first thing is Officer Wilson should have got out of the car if he felt necessary to give the um, Michael Brown a verbal command. He should have stepped out of the car and made that verbal command and not just second, yelled at him out the window exactly, like get out of the street. Exactly. The second piece: Michael Brown was with someone else. If um, Officer Wilson was by himself, he should have requested someone else to assist him as, approaching, as opposed to approaching these two individuals by himself. As you've heard these court documents, uh, Officer Wilson has constantly stated that, look, uh, Michael Brown appeared to him as if he was the Incredible Hulk. If, you was, if, he, if he was intimidated, there's nothing wrong with that. But call for someone else to assist you Supposedly in a situation. Supposedly he did call at some point, but we don't know at what point on the timeline. I don't think that happened. Time is of essence. This was um, we didn't have Michael Brown as a serial killer or mass murderer. This was a situation where we merely have someone walking down the middle of the street. Just wait for backup to come, and then you approach that individual. I think that would have been the safest way to enter this particular situation. He chose to make a verbal command from the car, and then the situation became exacerbated. And we know what the final outcome is. So I think tactics played a role in this. And when we when you mentioned did this. Does this make sense in terms of how we approached him? My approach would have been different. Uh, Lisa, may I jump in? Yeah. Lisa, I, I disagree. I think that you have a police officer in a marked car. He sees Dorian Johnson and Michael Brown walking in single file in the middle of Canfield Drive. I think it's perfectly reasonable for the officer to drive up and say to Dorian Johnson, which is the testimony, hey, what's wrong with the sidewalk or get the bleep on the sidewalk, whatever he said, if he said it nicely or not, he gave them a command. Get out of the middle of the street. There are cars going around you. You're blocking traffic. What are you doing? And the officer had no reason to believe at that point that this was going to be a hostile situation. Because the officer at that point did not know about this incident in the convenience store. Well, that that's not what the officer says. The officer says he he's, did he's, know now about he, it. That was another change to his story. Now, now he says that, yeah, there was a radio call that there had been a convenience store robbed. Well, from the statements I know, and I read the statement that the officer gave initially to the St. Louis County detective before he testified and in the grand is, what jury. what did he say then? And he said that he did, when he was at the sick baby call, he did hear over the radio that there had been a stealing at a store and there was a black man in a black shirt um, and that it involved cigarellos. That's what he said in the statement. Um, I haven't seen every single statement he made. I've seen the publicly available ones. But my understanding is that uh, Officer Wilson's story has not changed on that point. Well, let me say, well, I'll just say point blank. I read the transcript for um, Officer Wilson in the um, in the grand jury, and it was the most contrived, uh, clearly uh, coached, testimony that I've seen in 20 years of reading grand jury testimony. It was no doubt in my mind that he was coached and told what to say and how to say to try to ensure that he was not indicted. He used the proper uh, 
catch words like uh, these these mean phrases like the guy looked like a demon or the guy charged me or the guy st- somehow started raging like the Incredible Hulk. He used every aggressive word he can possibly use to try to convince this grand jury that he was under some severe threat of severe uh, bodily harm or even death. I think he said once or twice that the guy punched me twice and then the next punch could have killed me. Or the worst part was when he said, uh, well, he was, I was in fear for my life. He was running towards me and he had his hand balled up and then one hand up under his shirt to try to convince the grand jury that maybe he was reaching for a gun. So that's why he shot him. He used every conceivable police officer used tactic to show that I was under some fear for my life. And it was the most contrived, inconsistent, unbelievable testimony that I've seen. And that would not have held water in front of a real jury. Dan, Lisa, what about that? Problem. Do you agree with that? L- Lisa, I don't. Um, the the only portion of Darren Wilson's testimony, which I've also read, which I find embellished or contrived, and frankly, I didn't like it and it wasn't necessary, and I think it was didn't ring true, was the fact that before the fatal shots were fired, Officer Wilson testified that uh, Michael Brown had his uh, one arm up and one hand in his waistband under his shirt now i don't buy that i don't think that happened i don't think people run with their hands in their waistband at police officers but except for that i thought his testimony did ring true and if i could just go through it briefly to explain why um he i think x and i agree and darren will jump in as well x and i agree that he pulled up on two guys who were walking in the middle of the street i agree there were words I agree. Okay. okay everyone, so far, everyone's agreeing. Okay. They, they were, they were probably, and then I'm going to bring in Kevin Jackson here with the big black lie. There okay. Were, there were probably curse words exchanged, probably on both sides. I right. agree. Then it heats up, and Michael Brown goes to the driver's side window of the police car. I disagree. Okay. Um, there, it. Well, I'll get you to agree on something. There was a struggle at the car. I agree. I agree. Okay, everyone agrees. Okay. We had um, uh, a shot fired at the car. I agree. We know that. Wait, wait, wait. A shot fired at the car? No, from inside the car. Officer Wilson fired a shot from inside the car. Okay, yeah. Don't bring in, because otherwise, because it sounds like we're saying shots fired from outside. Let me stop you for a second, Hawk. We have to put, put in the part where the officer testified in his grand jury testimony that somehow. His service weapon did not fire once or twice. Now, again, you know, I understand the whole world, you know, outside in the street, some guy who has a gun that he hasn't had checked or hasn't had a review or whatever several times. But this officer is now telling us that he tried to fire his service pistol or gun. It didn't. It misfired. Then he did it again, and it misfired again. Then all of a sudden, it fired. Well, well, Lisa, wait, well, let's ask yeah, the person that was it. licensed to Go carry ahead, a gun, Dr. Darren Porcher. Oftentimes in shooting investigations, you hear people, officers that have been involved in shootings feel state that they thought that they pulled the trigger and in actuality they haven't. So I think that's what occurred in this particular instance. When on several occasions, Officer Wilson stated that he he attempted to pull the trigger and the gun misfired. It may have well been him consciously thinking that he was attempting to pull the trigger and it hasn't happened. So you're not so that that that's a difference between you telling me or telling the people that the gun misfired and him squeezing something that's not the trigger and not pulling the trigger. What's a, mis- a misfire? What, Dr. Is, Porter, what is a misfire? A misfire is simply you pull the trigger and nothing, and nothing comes happens. Out. Right. That I'm suggesting right now on Hot 97 in front of a million people that that 
rarely happens with this nine millimeter that this man has in his right side of his waist. I think everyone who knows anything about those particular nine millimeters know that that man's nine millimeter did not, he did not squeeze that trigger finger, that little trigger and it misfired then he squeezed it again it misfired again no that didn't happen i I disagree i know something about firearms okay and the testimony from officer wilson is that officer wilson goes to get his his uh uh six hour 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol which has 12 in the magazine one in the chamber which is not your street glock no but similar okay and he go he tells Michael Brown, who's at the window of his Tahoe, of his car, that he's going to shoot him if he doesn't back up. This is after the officer testified he punched him. And then there is a struggle for the gun. Michael Brown puts his hand on the officer's weapon, blocking the slide. So when the officer tries to fire it, it doesn't fire on the first two clicks. He finally gets free by using Michael Brown's body momentum which is coming down into the car gets free fires a shot which hits michael brown in the right thumb okay let me hold let me let me hold it right there because then so basically if he's if you're reaching into a police car you're reaching into a police car at a police officer nothing good is going to come after that period right that's correct nothing good comes you haven't let's let's step back xavier what about that i i agree one thousand percent to everyone listening do not ever reach into a police car. Do not attack a police officer. They have guns. Do not do that. And, and, and they represent and the law whether you like it or not. It's Let me get sense, to Okay, let me bring it. Let me bring it. I, drugs. Okay, the phones are going crazy. We've got guests backed up here on the phone lines. And all my guests in studio, please feel free to jump in. Let me just bring in Kevin Jackson here, author of The Big, uh, Big Black Lie. Kevin, thank you for being with us. Now, why do you say that people are making too much of an issue of Mike Brown? Well, just listening to, I think it was the prosecutor you've got there in studio. I, I've never heard that much drivel uh, in my life. I mean, uh, what does it matter how many times a cop's gun misfires or whatever? The facts are this. He was wrestling with a police officer in his vehicle. The DNA evidence, everything supports that. Who do you know that attacks a cop? You can come on, on the radio and go, uh, nobody should ever do that. He did that. What happens when you do that? You get shot. End of story. This is all these things like people are talking about how many times did he get shot when he was rushing the, uh, rushing Darren Wilson. I'll tell you this way. There's hardly a person who understands anything about guns and, and particularly a person like myself who's trained fighters, who's been around firearms my whole life. You come at me, I'll empty my clip in you every single time. If it holds 50 bullets, that's how many will be in you, and I'll still be pulling the trigger. This is nonsense. I don't care what grand jury testimony reads and all this stuff. It is very simple what happened here. A kid who was described as a choir boy was not. He was a thug. And everything that he did that led to his death is exactly what would have happened in 99.9999 scenarios if he did it again. And every time you talk to people about this, they look, they want to get to the other side of it. They always want to talk about, well, he didn't have to shoot him that many times and all this. All the forensic evidence 
proves everything that Darren Wilson said. You can talk about embellishment. He said this. or To not believe that man, you'd have to, to be honest, being this blunt, you have to be brain dead. Kevin, as, man, a, as an African-American man, are you offended that, that Michael Brown is being portrayed as a as this is like a civil rights racial absolutely. profiling case? That is, that is the height of ignorance. And, and the idea that, that we have gone from, from looking at people like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and other true civil rights leaders to trying to, to stand behind a kid who was a flat-out thug. Now, what could he have been? I don't know. He could have been can, president can I, of the United can I, States. Can I but now? I'll tell you what he was. He was a thug. Can I interrupt now? Go ahead, David. What's his name? Kevin Kevin Jackson, author of The Big Black Lie. Okay, you, Kevin Jackson, author of The Big Black Lie. You just told a big black lie. Let me be perfectly clear with you. The, the, I don't care if he was a thug, if he was whatever. In my humble opinion, he was not a thug. And at the time that he was killed or executed, murdered, or whatever, he was not a thug. He was a young man who was in the middle of the street who got subjected to a barrage of bullets by a police officer. But who goes to the window. Goes, what about... Yeah, well, but the, every, every, you all listen, agreed. You listen, All three of you agreed. He goes to the window uh, of the police car and reaches into I the police car. Disagree, I don't disagree... This was go, not trick-or-treating. I don't disagree that he, that he was at the window. There is a, there's a big gap. And common sense dictates... And people who have done trials... Mr. Jack, Mr. Big Black. You think Life. the cop could have just grabbed have, his head? People in? who have done trials, people who have, who have done this, who have, who have actually been in courtrooms, who have litigated and cross-examined and direct evidence of police officers on both sides yeah, of the those table. Yeah, don't know jack about uh, it. Is what you're un, saying? Un, well, un, understand what normally happens and what common sense is. And I'm suggesting that I do not believe, and no one has yet to explain it in a common sense narrative, how the young man is walking down the street, then all of a sudden he's inside of a car. All and right, then let, let me, let, car, let's, let's, ask, let's ask the no, one person on the panel who's been in that situation as a police officer, Dr. Darren Porcher, what do you think happened there? Well, first, I think that there were things that could have been done differently on both both sides. Okay, but let's talk about what was done, what you think could have been done. What was done was Darren Wilson was in the car, and he allowed um, Michael Brown to get that close to him when he was in the vehicle. He should have pulled. He should have put the car back, and he should have put the car in reverse. That would have been the first thing that should have happened. So tactically, it was an unsound practice that uh, Darren Wilson was a part of that he partook in. Now, when you mention uh, Michael Brown being a thug and things to that effect, uh, I mean, granted, did we have the did we have the, the excuse me the um, the cigar incident? Prior a robbery, to that? Yes, robbery. Yes, that did occur. However. Darren Wilson could have done things differently. And once again, I refer I revert back to the tactical perspective. He should have put the car in reverse. He shouldn't have once he once he uh, heard, or gotten out of the car as oh, you said earlier, right, issued a command to them to move. Right, but in addition to that, <laughs> once he cursed at him, once um Michael Brown cursed at um uh, Officer Wilson, Officer Wilson should have assessed that look, this is a problem situation. I'm incapable of handling on my own because there's two individuals I'm by myself. Lisa. All right, one eight. I got to take a short break. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. Danny, Mike, Brittany, Ruth, Denise, Byron, Christopher, Anka, everyone else that's on hold. Jesus, uh, we're going to get to your telephone calls at one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. Twitter at Lisa Evers on the gram. Lisa Evers live. Hashtag Ferguson. Hashtag Mike Brown. We'll be back right after this. But first, let me 
me tell you about listening all holiday weekend as the hottest DJs take over the radio. Plus, we have your chance to win tickets to Christmas in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center December 19th. Run, LL, Lecrae, Khaled, the whole crew, Reverend Run and his son performing live on stage. Made hot by Beats NYC all weekend long. Join us at the Beats Soho store. I'm Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Sam wants to call his dad, Luis. Yeah, he's always called me as I was growing up, never to smoke weed or take drugs. I've never smoked. I just want to see what his limits are, because my dad's also a little crazy, so it's actually kind of funny. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't... Hey, Dad, a couple of cops, they pulled me over because they found weed in my car. What I teach you about that mother... It was made for sick people, you said about Sam said he was considering smoking weed when it became legal in New York State, though. We cannot touch it now. He got cancer or AIDS. I am glad that you taught him the rights and wrongs of the world. I'm even more glad that you didn't teach him English. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> in the morning with Laura Styles and Rosenberg on Hot 97. If it sizzles and crackles and comes from the kitchen, it's breakfast. If the aroma wakes you up, it's breakfast. Have breakfast for breakfast. Fresh made from our kitchen. The Egg McMuffin, only from McDonald's. Goes perfect with a fresh brewed cup of McCafe coffee. For a limited time at McDonald's, get any size McCafe coffee for just $1. Made from 100% Arabica beans, it's another way to love McCafe. Prices and participation may vary, a la carte only. Some days you are a conqueror. Look out, world, here I come. Some days you are a survivor. Come on, world, give me your best shot. Some days you just want to crawl back in bed. Hey, world, leave me alone. Fortunately, there is a McDonald's morning egg, sausage, bacon, oatmeal, egg whites, and a great cup of McCafe coffee. There's something for everyone to love at McDonald's. You taste good, world. Start the morning off right with the savory sausage McMuffin with egg sandwich at McDonald's. For a limited time, get two for only $3. At H&R Block, we get it. Unexpected expenses come up this time of year. With H&R Block's Emerald Advance, if approved, you can get a line of credit for up to $1,000. All you need is your latest pay stub and a photo ID. No W-2 required. Make an appointment at 1-800-HR-BLOCK or go to hrblock.com. H&R Block Emerald Advance line of credit offered through H&R Block Bank member FDIC. Subject to underwriting and credit approval. Available at participating offices. Fees and conditions apply. Details at www.hrblock.com slash Emerald Advance. Promotional period November 24, 2014 through January 15, 2015. This holiday season, buy $25 in Buffalo Wild Wings gift cards good for a future visit and get a $5 blazing bonus. What if everything you bought came with a bonus? As a thank you for buying a pair of our shoes, we're going to give you a bonus shoe. Uh, just one shoe. Yep. The left one. Yeah, I'm good. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Promotion begins November 24th, 2014. Valid in restaurant at participating locations only for a limited time while supplies last. Certain terms and conditions may apply. No holiday gathering is complete without the crisp, bubbly, refreshing taste of Sierra Mist Cranberry Splash. Ah, another boring holiday dinner. Not today. Try a sip of delicious Sierra Mist Cranberry Splash. Wow! My mouth is a snow globe with cranberry-flavored awesomeness swirling around in a refreshment blizzard! Tis the season! Sierra Mist Cranberry Splash and Classic Sierra Mist, the most refreshing holiday traditions of all. Instant holiday cheer is here. Pick up a 2-liter and a 12-pack of Sierra Mist or Sierra Mist Cranberry Splash at your local store today. Black Friday savings are still on at the Home Depot. So let's start something, like a Maytag or GE Energy Star washer, now for the Black Friday price of just $3.99. You save up to $250 on either one, and loads of time on laundry from here on out. That's how to holiday, with a Maytag or GE washer for just $3.99. Let's do this. More saving, more doing. 
That's the power of the Home Depot. While supplies last, valid through December 3rd. U.S. only. See store for details. With Simple Mobile, you get unlimited wireless on your phone with your number and 5 gigs of data at 4G LTE speeds for just 60 bucks. What does that sound like? More 40 character messages. More dead zombies. More selfies. More of the music and movies you want to download. And more time with that weird app you don't want anyone to know you have. There's no sound for that. Check SimpleMobile.com. Simple Mobile. Change your SIM. Change your game. Includes a fixed amount of high-speed data per month. Month equals 30 days. Other restrictions apply. Refer always to latest terms and conditions of service at SimpleMobile.com. So, what brings you and Greg to marriage counseling today? Jake from State Farm. My husband calls him all the time. Two, three in the morning, it doesn't matter. I see. Greg, is this true? Yeah. Jake saves us tons on our insurance, no matter what time it is. He's always there. Mm-hmm. And how much did he save you? Hundreds. Listen, um, can I call this Jake from State Farm? You've got to be kidding me. State Farm is there for you anytime, anywhere. Call 1-800-STATE-FARM or click today. Get to a better state. State Farm. For over 150 years, Tag Heuer Swiss luxury watchmaker has brilliantly fused precision with elegance. And Jared the Galleria of Jewelry has an incredible selection to choose from, including the Aqua Racer collection. The new Aqua Racer. Sophisticated, elegant, and most important, decidedly feminine, is now at Jared. Find a Jared store or shop anytime at jared.com. Yo, what up? It's the game, and it's the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 9-7. That's right. This is a special holiday weekend edition of Street Soldiers due to the events in Ferguson. Our management here at Hot 97, Jay Dixon, T.T. Torres, they have given us this opportunity to talk with you about this case. We're taking your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797. Phone lines are jammed. Going to get to some calls in just a moment. Um, Better yet, if you want to hit me up on Instagram, at Lisa Evers Live. We posted a picture from here inside the studio, and you can post your comments there. I'm going to try to read some of those, and let me let you know who we have here for you. Um, Xavier Donaldson, a.k.a. X. He's a criminal defense attorney and former prosecutor. Also with us, Dan Hockheiser. He's a former prosecutor, criminal defense attorney. Dr. Darren Porcher, criminal justice professor, former NYPD lieutenant, TV commentator on police community issues. On the phone lines, Kevin Jackson, author of the Big Black Lie, and Jesus Gonzalez from Brooklyn. He went to Ferguson to uh, participate in some of the protests and has been active here in the streets. And Jesus, real quick, just uh, tell tell us, what what are you thinking now in terms of the protests that happened here in New York and, and in Ferguson? I mean, I think, first of all, let's, let's, let's not get it twisted. Uh, Mike Brown was not a thug. Um, to perceive, perceive him as a thug based off of Stealing cigarillos, uh, you know. Think, think of how would you feel about your child or you like stealing a chapstick or a bag of chips at a store? Um, does that make you a thug? Also, there's contradictions. There's like okay, Jesus, Jesus, that, I just, I just wanted to get a real quick hit from you about the the protests. Are there yeah, the, any more the protests? protests? I was there on the the week of when Mike Brown was killed. I was with his family. Um, he comes from a family of states. Um, the brother was going to go to school that Monday. Missouri, the state of Missouri responded to peaceful protesters violently. It was when I got there. Captain Brown, um, no, Captain Johnson took over the police scene. Said nobody would would get cheered, tear guys, pepper sprayed, arrested for no reason if they're acting civilly. I witnessed um, basically a military takeover 
um, other streets where people were being hit with rubber bullets coming out of church that weekend. No, no, State we saw we saw we called. saw a lot of things. Um, Jesus, I got to move on because we're almost, we're the clock is running here very fast, and we have a lot it's of phone good. calls I just here. I feel like the people in New York feel very proud. More than thirty thousand people took over every major highway. The resistance is going to continue. Um, that prosecution was very flawed, um, and Jesus. we have reasonable suspicion. Thank you. All right, Jesus, thank you very much. Jesus Gonzalez, let's go to Sasha right now from New Jersey. Sasha, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Sasha, you there? Sasha, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Okay, I'm losing Sasha. All right, let's, uh, is this Mike? Yep. Okay, Mike, what's your question or comment? Okay, two quick points I want to make. First off, we don't have to call Michael Brown a thug, but he's definitely a shoplifter. A shoplifter that was about to rough arm a deli owner. Second of all, you have no right to complain about the grand jury. The grand jury went above and beyond what it normally does to meet the needs of the people of this case. Yes, it, it, it put in more information. Yes, it went above finding more facts, but it also had four witnesses who should be put on test, who should be put up on trial for, for perjury. Okay, you, you raised a good point. I want, I, want to get a, I want to get a comment from our guest about that. What about these witnesses who supposedly, I'm going to ask all three of you real quick, these witnesses who supposedly said, yeah, he had his hands up, the officer was standing over him, shooting him, and that later changed their testimony. Were they coached to change their testimony, or did they have a crisis of conscience and decide they don't want to perjure themselves under law, Xavier. Hey, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll keep going back to this. I would, I would really hope that I'm praying that from this point forward, that all grand jury proceedings for my defendants are like this. That we get all this type of evidence into a grand jury. I don't care, honestly, about whether or not these people had inconsistent statements. My only concern about this process is that those particular pieces of evidence or testimony are not normally presented to a grand jury if a prosecutor is seeking an indictment. Dan, what about that? Lisa, thank God for the physical evidence in this case. The physical evidence doesn't lie. Who lies are witnesses. In this case, you had witnesses who initially said they saw Officer Wilson standing over Michael Brown, who was on his knees or on the ground, and shot a bullet down into his head in an execution-style shooting. There are other witnesses who testified before the autopsies came out that Michael Brown was fleeing the officer, and the officer shot him in the back dead. Then the autopsies came out. We learned that all the shots were in the front of Michael Brown's body, one in the right thumb, two in the right arm, two in the chest, two in the front of the head. And then all those witnesses changed their tunes. That's why Darren Wilson was not so indicted. Dr. Darren Porcher, what do you think about that? You had you had witnesses that flat out lied. Um, you had witnesses that came um, straight untruths. And as the the forensic evidence revealed that some of this stuff was inaccurate, the grand jury was somewhat skeptical. Excuse me, skeptical. But in another on another piece, we had a grand jury that was not reflective of that personal of of the persons in Ferguson. We had what we had six people that were white. And three people that were black. Ferguson nine, is seven, nine, nine me, and three. Nine, nine and three. three. And nine and three. Nine people were white. Three people were black. Ferguson is seventy percent black. So that raised a lot of suspicions in my mind. 
I got this. Okay, but, but it's also the jury pool is going to come from who's registered to vote. Too. That is okay. That, I got. I got to bring in. I got to bring in someone that's been uh, our Hot ninety seven audience has been hearing about for a long time. Um, this week, Michael Render, aka Killer Mike. That's Mike with M I C. He's half of the rap group Run the Jewels, and uh, you heard Miss Info talking about him on Hot ninety seven all week long. He was performing in St. Louis the night the grand jury's decision was announced. New album is Run the Jewels, and and Mike, what's your what are your feelings now? You know, after having been there in Missouri and St. Louis on Monday night, um, I mean, my feelings are I'm a, I'm a father of two boys. My feelings are more about police interaction with black males on a daily basis. Um, I have stated from the very beginning when I did football and show on CNN until now, no matter which points we argue and no matter what sides we choose to believe or want to believe. I just feel like all too often when black males are encountered or engaged by police officers, our Fourth Amendment rights to due process are thrown out the door. And I think that ultimately, for me, the case is about Michael Brown being denied the ability to due process. Whether the kid was a shoplifter or not, whether the kid was jaywalking or not, none of that will ever get to be answered. He never has to answer that in a court of law because of the um, police interaction and what ultimately led to his untimely death, no matter which variation of the story the police, um, police officers are continually violating the constitutional rights of American citizens, and I think we all should be concerned about it. All right, that's a fe- that's a feeling that a lot of a lot of our listeners share, that a lot of people share, which is basically, should you be shot to death by a police officer for jaywalking, um, and why does this seem to only be happening to to young men of color? He, wa- he was a young man. There was a young man today. Um, I think it's out of Cleveland or somewhere in the Midwest. It's, it's one of our Twitter. I retweeted. He reached an office, um, an officer's car, took an AR-15 out of the car, walked away with the AR-15. And the officer commanded him three times to put the gun down before he put it down. And when this young man survived the police encounter, and he happens to be white, and a young man like Eric Garner, um, who was here in New York, doesn't t- survive a police encounter, and all he was accused of doing was selling Lucy cigarettes, and if you see this happen over and over again, it, it furthers the racial divide in this country. And it speaks to the quality of policing for the policeman who was smart enough not to kill the white kids. You got to start asking yourself, are the officers that are not shooting white kids, are they brighter? Are their eyes better? Or is it just that they don't value black life as much? You know? so what, what we, about have to start, we have to start asking ourselves harder questions about policing in this country and the constitutional rights of all Americans being honored by police when they engage. No, Michael, thank you you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. Michael Render, a.k.a. Killer Mike. That's Mike as in M-I-C. No, it's Mike. It's it's M-I-K-E. I'm just killing Killer, killer Mike's. <laughs> I know I was explain that's what I was explaining it poorly. Thank you for clear, clarifying that. Half of the Rav group run the jewels. And uh, Mike, if people want to follow you on Twitter, what's the handle? I'm Killer Mike GTO on all social media. If you wish to holler at me, uh, please do. And you know, everyone take care of one another and please remember at the end of the day, racial divides while all of us having arguing over petty stuff, but this is about the US Constitution. Everyone, please read US Bill of Rights. Please read the U.S. Constitution, and please make the people that you elect in office and the people that you give the power of life and death over the proletariat, please make them honor your constitutional rights. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Killer Mike. Thank you so much for being with us. Mike, uh, Dr. Bring, Darren Perch, uh, do you want to stand first? Yeah, you want to ask him a Mike, question? you bring up some good points. Um, when you look at the quantitative statistics in connection with people, people of color, 
that are that lose their life to police, the numbers are yeah. extremely high, disproportionately higher for victims yeah. that are of color compared yeah. to Caucasians. I think that that evolves around a systemic change that needs to be addressed within the police Absolutely. department's professional development Absolutely. tactics. We need the, we, the officers need to be trained appropriately because when we look at the outcomes, such as Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, etc., whether Akai these, Gurley, Akai Gurley. Whether these people are right or wrong, it raises a question in the minds of the public. So police departments really need to focus and place this on a platform as they're training their officers into thinking, look, just because a person is of color, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad person. Oftentimes you have officers that become members of police departments that come from suburban neighborhoods, whereas they don't have interaction with people of color. And now they're placed in these environments such as... Urban environments, Brownsville, East yeah. New York, Harlem, etc., and they're dealing with people of color, and they're not cut. They haven't dealt with individuals of color in the past, and it creates. A and problem. they haven't even been in an urban environment. Many of them. I got to keep it moving here, but Killer Mike, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate. Right. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll follow you at Killer Mike GTO on all social media platforms. Thank you so much. Let's get to some phone calls here. Let's go to uh, Sasha right here. Sasha, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. TJ, that line is just not working. I need help here with his phones. Uh, uh, Sasha, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi. So my main thing is to go back to what he just said. Is it is a systematic issue. It isn't about bad police. And we can't continue to keep persecuting police officers because the only true thing that I felt Darren Wilson said in his interview was that what he did was what he was trained to do. And that's the main issue. This is this is allowed, and the, and the legal system allows it, and the judicial system allows it, because they're the ones who are telling them, you are allowed to do this. You can do this. You and can get, yes, you can get away. You're saying they, there's, a, there's a feeling that they can get away with it. Sasha, let me get a response from our audience. Xavier Donaldson, what do you think about I, that? I think that's absolutely true. I, I, uh, I, I bring my experiences with that because, you know, as a former prosecutor, defense attorney now, and as a father of two young boys, you know, I, I know for a fact that sometimes people do things that they think they can get away with. A very quick example of that is just recently, last year, I had a rather large trial in New York City where I cross-examined a New York City police officer, and then based upon that cross-examination, the prosecutor actually went back and indicted that officer for perjury. So we thought victory, you know, this was a good thing. But then after we thought that was a victory, this particular de- detective went to trial, got a bench trial, and was acquitted of all conduct. That's when the bench trial is when the judge, there's no jury when the judge decides, Exactly. Right? So even in that situation, when I told the, the judge when I was doing the cross-examination that, and I said it on record, that this young man, this officer, is testifying incorrectly because he knows that you as a judge and that prosecutor is not going to do anything about it. He knows that. They still indicted him, but he was still found not guilty. So... There was no punishment for for that. Dan Hockheiser, what about that? Police officers, if they, if there's a feeling that people have that they will never go to jail for killing an African American or person of color. Well, that's just not true. White police officers have gone to jail um, for all kinds of crimes, uh, and each case is different. You know, the Ake Gurley case that we just saw was a terrible tragedy the other day where a young... In the pink houses. In the pink houses in East New York, a young black man doing nothing wrong whatsoever. Unarmed. Unarmed. No crime committed. No crime, nothing by all accounts. And there was a clumsy officer, apparently, who was trying to open the door to the eighth floor stairwell 
with the hand that was holding his gun. The gun rotated and he shot a bullet into this young man. This is happening too much. But I agree. And if you I want to Stansbury case, Darren, just one second. I want oh, to yeah, Stansbury. I, I want to. I would just stipulate to one thing: there are too many people of color dying uh, in police shootings. No, I don't disagree with that. I think and there's that's a sense, true. And there's a sense among many in the African American community, and in fact, other communities as well. At this point, that there are two systems of justice that they're much more careful when they're encountering white suspects or whites than they are when they're, it's non-whites. Which is why Xavier brought this up, I think. Is that true the, or false? Is that factual or, or fiction? Well, I think, yes, not all people are created equal in the system of justice, unfortunately, yet. We have a long way to go. And there is a perception of that, and there's some truth to that. Now, we probably should have had a special prosecutor appointed in the Ferguson matter because of these perceptions. Because Somebody totally independent, not somebody whose father, I believe, was killed in the line of duty, District, a police officer. Yes, the Ferguson District, St. Louis County District Attorney McCullough, when he was 12 years old, his father, a white police officer, was killed by a black person. But that doesn't disqualify him. What should disqualify him is that these district attorneys have very close relationships with the police officers they rely on. Which you guys know as prosecutors. Day in and day out to as get witnesses. their cases. Right. Correct. So if you remove that close relationship from the process, appoint a special prosecutor, somebody from another state uh, whose uh, credentials are beyond reproach, and then have a grand jury investigation, I think my friend X might take a different view of the process. Okay, let me try to get, uh, squeeze in a couple of phone calls here. Let's go to Brittany from Upstate real quick. Brittany, real quick, what's your take on this? Yes, hi. hi. Um, I just want to first say my condolences to Mike Brown's family. It's really a tragedy what has taken place. And um, I actually lost a relative to gun violence. But um, in this case, I just want to simply say that as black people, we don't have to live in some of the communities that we live in. I personally live upstate, and I don't pay a lot to live where I live at, but it's a community that's associated around hospitals, working-class people. And I don't, I'm not saying that my son wouldn't be subjected to some type of um, dilemma with the law, but based on the environment, that's not what's going on in my community. All right. Uh, you know? Brittany, thank you very much for the call. Let's go to, Ruth, let's go to uh, Ruth right now from New Jersey. Ruth, hi. You're on Hot 97. Real quick. Go right ahead. Hi. How are you? All right. Fine. Thank you. I just have to say this. As a black mother with three black sons, I am highly upset that Darren Wilson walked away. But how do we expect for the white man to respect us if we are not respecting ourselves? I'm not justifying anything he did. But in order for them to stop killing us, we have to stop killing us. So you're saying he that this to be put underneath the jail, and I have a God that I know is going to handle that. But black men, you got two things against you: you're male and you're black. Open your eyes, come together, stop fighting each other. Once we build our lives together and come together as a community and as a race, the white people can't do anything to us. All right, Ruth, I want to thank you. We are you. a strong race. I want to thank you very much for the call. Uh, that's Ruth from thank New Jersey. You. Thank you. She's she's speaking on some of the signs that we saw too. Black Lives Matter, and uh, that's something we should think about throughout all all types of incidents and all types of episodes. Um, Xavier Donaldson, we're just about out, out of time. The uh, what is going to happen now? Officer Darren Wilson resigned yesterday, saying he doesn't want to be uh, contribute to any more 
damage to the community or a loss of life, what do you think is going to happen next? Could he face federal charges? Or there, there are also a lot of people that think the whole federal thing is like a media hype and nothing ever really happens. I mean, it, it's not a media hype. I mean, I think uh, the federal government is uh, pretty sincere in its investigation of this particular uh, incident, and I, I'm hoping that something comes from that. I, I think that Mr. Officer Wilson uh, resigning was not uh, was not to benefit the community or benefit his fo- fellow officers. I mean, it's not. I mean, based upon his interview with, that he had, where he said he did what he had to do, and basically said he'd do it again. You know, so I don't believe that that's why he resigned. I think he resigned for economic reasons. Um, I, I'm hoping that this particular case is a catalyst to everybody trying to understand and analyze the process. If this process was the way it, it was done in all criminal cases, then I would be happy. But I know for a fact that this process is not the way it works, is not a... Um, that there were a lot of, basically, that the, I got to sum up because we're almost out of time, because basically a lot of things you're saying were fishy about this from the jump. From the jump. It's, this okay. was, it's not a fair process. All right, Dan, real quick. Yes, there will not be a federal civil rights indictment in this case. That investigation will end with no charges. Uh, There will be a wrongful death civil lawsuit by the family, I predict. And one thing I would urge along the lines of Killer Mike's speech about reading the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, I urge all the protesters and the looters, read the grand jury testimony, look at the evidence. It's available all over the Internet. You just Google it and you can find it. Dr. Darren Porcher, final word? There's a real question to me as to why Darren Wilson um, chose to step down, because he no longer has corporation counsel representation. When I say corporation counsel representation, meaning the attorneys for the the county of Ferguson would represent him for any um, judgments that are brought against him. Now that he's stepping down and he's no longer part of the department, he no longer has those afforded protections. So that's something that remains to be seen. I think he wants to get get the heck out of Missouri. That's what it sounds like to me. In addition to that, my a problem that I have with the people in Missouri is they're tearing up the places that they live in. They're not burning down Darren Wilson's house. Not that I advocate or condone for that. They're tearing up the neighborhoods that they live in. So they really, and black owned businesses. Right, exactly. So they really need to reinvent themselves as a community down there and work on building a community and not tearing it down. All right, I want to thank all of our guests for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. If you're just tuning in or you want to hear this again because there was a lot of information about this, a lot of great guests today, as always, you can log on to lisaevers.com at 10 a.m. right after we're off the air here. And you can listen to a the show audio. It's you can just listen to it right on the on the website there. It's free at LisaEvers.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers Instagram, Lisa Evers Live, and uh, you you can follow it there as we deal with this next Sunday. You know we're going to be dealing with more police and community issues, and also the aftermath because I think this is something we need to continue to talk about. I want to thank Xavier Donaldson, criminal defense attorney with Donaldson and Chillist, Dan Hockheiser, criminal defense attorney. Dr. Darren Porcher, former NYPD lieutenant, criminal justice professor, and Killer Mike. Um, his his uh, social media handle is at Killer Mike GTO for being with us. Kevin Jackson, author of The Big Black Lie, and uh, all of our other guests that we had with us, Jesus Gonzalez. Um, thank you so much for being with us, and Mary Moore from from St. Louis. And also want to say a big shout-out and thank you to our sponsor. This episode of Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers was made hot for you by Fun Fusion. Like Fun Fusion's page and enter to win a Fun Fusion staycation with a one-night hotel stay and $200 toward games. 
gaming credit to game all day long. And I want to thank all of our Hot 97 DJs, that super hot, all new lineup. I see Bobby Trends in the building, shaking the block. We got uh, DJ Magic. That's a, He's a fave, you know, he's a lady's favorite. DJ Magic coming up right after us on Hot 97 Street Soldiers. And I, want to th- I want to thank them for giving up the hour of the All Mix weekend so that we could talk about this. And of course, our whole team here at Hot 97, program director Jay Dixon, music director T.T. Torres, our digital director Jeffrey Thacker, board op digital assistant, the one and only TJ 2015 calendar coming very soon. Yes, he says, ladies, it's coming very soon. Executive producer Tone Capone, um, my associate producer, the one and only Rose D. You know, Twitter at Lisa Evers, the Graham Lisa Evers Live. Fox 5 videos are on lisaevers.com. I'll be on Fox 5 tonight at 10. And to be a part of this show in any way, um, you can hit me up, Lisa at hot97.com. That's Lisa at hot97.com or tone for real at gmail.com. That's tone for real at gmail.com and also you can hear one of our guests uh, Dan Hockheiser the attorney at blog talk radio slash talk talking live and talking law no g talking law (laughs) talking law without the g he's hip-hop okay anyway (laughs) i want (laughs) to sort of (laughs) he is because you're here so we thank we thank you for that listen have a a great rest of the thanksgiving weekend keep it locked here to hot 97 hottest all mix weekend hottest all mix djs and uh, have a great week everybody remember use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers push for peace does your furnace need repair your house need cleaning or maybe you're ready to update your kitchen big or small whatever your home improvement need log on to handyman123.homeadvisor.com homeadvisor is a free online resource with instant access